All right, we are back for our third and final segment. I was sent uh, this story by Jill. I promised to read it in today's show, and I think I should. It goes as follows. A woman awakes during the night to find that her husband is not in bed. She puts on her robe and goes downstairs to look for him. She finds him sitting at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee in front of him. He appears to be in deep thought, just staring at the wall. She watches as he wipes a tear from his eye and takes a sip of his coffee. What's the matter, dear, she whispers as she steps into the room. Why are you down here at this time of night? The husband looks up from his coffee. Do you remember 20 years ago when we were dating? We were just kids, he asked solemnly. Yes, I do, she replies. The husband pauses. The words are not coming easily. Do you remember when your father caught us in the back of the seat of my car? Compromised? Yes, of, of course I remember, says the wife, who lowers herself into the chair beside him. The husband struggles on. Do you remember when he shoved the shotgun in my face and said, either you marry my daughter or I'll send you to jail for 20 years? I remember that too, she replied softly. The man wipes another tear from his cheek, looks at his wife and says, I would have gotten out today. All right, here's two, more, here's two more from The Onion that I thought were pretty good. Uh, you have The Onion calendar. I have one at home. Wednesday, uh, 4th of June, was titled, <laughs> shows a woman holding a placard that says UAW 325. It's captioned, GM workers strike for 2,000 peso raise. Then here's one from uh, April 29th. Point, counterpoint from The Onion. <laughs> Miss Mary Unger says, we must do everything we can for the children. That's the point. Counterpoint from Dwayne Nystrom, titled, Children Schmildren. And now Radio Parallax brings you our own little bit of investigative journalism. Now, lost among the peoples whose passing we've noted recently was Donald Regan, who served Ronald Reagan as Treasury Secretary and Chief of Staff. Don Regan was a tough, no-nonsense, some would say abrasive, Wall Street lawyer. In one of the more bitter actions of the Reagan years, Reagan was ousted during the Iran-Contra scandal. Now, as a brief reminder, arms were sold to the fundamentalist Islamic regime of Iran by the CIA. Reagan officials like Oliver North approved of this in order to get hostages released and illegally fund the army of Contras, mostly former members of the Somoza dictatorship seeking to violently overthrow the Sandinista government controlling Nicaragua. After saying America would never deal with terror-supporting regimes for hostages, the Reagan administration took quite a PR hit when this was shown to be a lie. First Lady Nancy Reagan blamed Reagan for not insulating her husband from blame and engineered his departure. Donald Reagan felt that it were, was others in the administration whose actions had finally tarred the Teflon president and that he was the scapegoat. Reagan exacted his revenge two years later when he published memoirs revealing that the Reagans regularly consulted San Francisco astrologer Joan Quigley, who had sometimes counseled silence 
despite public demands for explanations. Regan revealed, furthermore, that Quigley had been avidly consulted throughout the Reagan presidency. Now, Radio Parallax's investigation of the Don Regan versus Nancy and Ron Reagan story has uncovered something new. According to our sources, the following audio tape comes from the Reagan archives. Now, this has not been confirmed by officials, but we note that it was found amid several 3x5 cards in the president's hand inside a Saks Fifth Avenue hat box. You be the judge. Mr. McMillan, could you roll tape? Hello? Oh, hello! This must be my friend from the big white house. Madam Cleo, I need your help. I hope it's a good time. Oh, Mr. President, you can always count on me to read the cards any old time of day or night. I'm in a pickle, Cleo. Joan says Jupiter's in my Capricorn, and my Neptune is rising. Also, Mercury is descending. I don't understand that stuff, but I hear that's bad. Well, could be. So, I'm told I've got to make no sudden moves. This is something I do not know about, Mr. President. But the cards, they do not lie. Shall I need them? Now, Mommy is worried, too. She says she had Jupiter and her Capricorn when we were filming Hellcats in the Navy. And she ruined her hairdo on a ceiling fan on the set. Oh, my goodness! Broke the blades on the fan, too. We lost the shot, and the director was fuming. That's terrible. But let Madame Cleo see what's in the cards. I see a short man who has given you some trouble. Well, that could be King Hussein or Mickey Rooney. He still owes me $115 I loaned him for the Screen Actors Guild dues. Is possible. The cards tell me you have a big decision. Madam Cleo, I have many. The Intermediate Missile Treaty, the funding of those Contras, and Nancy wants another shopping spree in Beverly Hills. I'm at my wit's end. The cards say you must go the way you thought at the first. So I guess I'll tell Gorbachev, yes, on the missiles. The first instinct is the best. I know that from the cards. Well, that's just Jim Dandy, Madam Cleo. As soon as my Jupiter passes Capricorn, I'll act. And when is that? Early next year. And I'm calling Mickey today. I could use that money for Mommy to buy a new lipstick. That's wonderful! Now, the tape ends here. We cannot confirm those voices as authentic, but we do know that Reagan did sign the Intermediate Nuclear Arms Reduction Treaty. As for Mickey Rooney, he's not returning our calls. Now, let's put my, uh, my medical and uh, biological scientist education to use here. Uh, yesterday... Sacramento Bee, the judge tossed out a tobacco firm's suit over advertising. You've no doubt seen these ads that are on uh, television and radio that are funded by the voters Prop 99 enacted in 1988. The tobacco industry hates these because it has reduced smoking in California very effectively. I think California has the lowest smoking rate in the nation and it continues to drop. The tobacco companies didn't like it. They tried to get those ads knocked off and no dice, say the courts. Bravo. Now, some further information on a study that I, I talked about some months ago in uh, Helena, Montana, uh, an anti-smoking ordinance, which apparently was enforced, uh, 
revealed a startling drop in the number of heart attacks, indicating that uh, secondhand smoke was a lot more dangerous than people realized. What I didn't realize in that study was that it only lasted six months before there was a successful legal challenge to it. Now, apparently in Montana, all the heart attacks went to one facility that were in the area of the jurisdiction of the law. So they were able to get very good data on what the effect was, and it stunned people with how clear-cut the results were. So if anyone tells you secondhand smoke, I mean, they need to do more studies on this, of course. But people would tell you that, oh, secondhand smoke, you know, not that big a deal. Um, Look for the funding behind the study that says that, because chances are you're going to find it came from the people in Big Tobacco. Now, I don't underestimate what a tough habit it is to break if you smoke. I mean, when I was uh, in medical uh, medical training, I used to ask heroin addicts which was easier to quit, heroin or tobacco. 75% of the time, they would say, oh, I can give up the heroin, but I can't quit smoking. Study, researchers at the Pennsylvania State University asked 20 regular smokers and 22 non-smokers to estimate the duration of a 45-second time period. Initially, the two groups had similar and usually accurate guesses, but after the smokers gave up the habit for a day, they all overestimated the duration by an average of 50%. Smoking actually alters your perception of time, or at least it does when you try and uh, come off it, which I'm sure, you know, raises hell with your efforts to give up the, uh, the vile weed which is kind of a surprising finding, you know. But uh, it would explain, you know, why smokers who try to quit, they become stressed out and they lose their ability to concentrate. Apparently, your, your perception of time is actually involved in this. So again, those of you who want to quit, please do, and uh, it's not easy. Keep at it. And as regards secondhand smoke, I, I can't help but uh, refer back to this Onion uh, little clip that I have in front of me, titled, Secondhand Smoke Linked to Secondhand Coolness. Dateline, Winston, North Carolina. Americans have known for years that smoking causes coolness. But according to a new study co-funded by R.J. Reynolds and Philip Morris, the cool effects of smoking are not limited to the smoker. And charges were raised last week that movies are still telling kids that smoking is glamorous. I don't think there's too much doubt about that. If you've been to a movie lately, you see virtually every character in there puffing away like a chimney. And uh, this, of course, you know, is called product placement. Tobacco companies, again, spend a lot of money to make sure that smoking looks pretty cool on the big screen. I want to mention one more story here that uh, that, uh, I I talked about last week because I'm still, you know, I, I want to make sure this one is heard. The federal government thinks that doctors should not have the right to tell patients that marijuana may be able to help their anorexia, may be able to help uh, their management of their AIDS, their, their cancer. The Solicitor General, acting on behalf of the federal cops, thinks that the cops are physicians. The position, their position is that marijuana has no medical uses, and therefore any doctor who prescribes it is just flat out breaking the law. Did you know that marijuana is not usually given to anyone who wishes to study any possible beneficial effects because by law, if you're going to do a study on marijuana, the study has to be demonstrating that it's harmful. Yes, that's right. You have to be setting out to prove that it is harmful to be able to conduct the study. 
which is why what studies we have are generally done overseas. Now, um, the truth of the matter is that in certain cases, marijuana has proven to be beneficial for patients. That is the common perception among every physician I know. For federal cops to step in and say doctors cannot convey that information to patients without risking losing their ability to prescribe medications is just simply scandalous. And I'm going to come back to that again in the future. All right, article from Science News that has to be read to be believed. (laughs) Apparently, ultrasounds are now being utilized at livestock shows to make sure that cattle's udders are not in some way altered. Apparently at these shows, 40% of a cow's score in the showing uh, traces to shape, size, and feel of the udder. The judging values no other part of the body as highly. So people apparently inject gas into them and do all sorts of chicanery to get higher scores. So they're having the result to ultrasound to make sure nobody's injecting an udder with gas to, I guess, make it stick out more, make it look more... uh, utter-like. I don't know. I think you should get a copy of Science News and read this article. I just simply can't believe it. Another one in Science News that really hits me between the eyes, all the world's a phage. Apparently, viruses that attack bacteria are in astounding abundance on Earth. Apparently, in the ocean, 40% of the bacteria that's out there is being killed every day because of the attack of viruses. Viruses evidently have a much more profound effect on the cycling of biological material on Earth than anybody had any idea about. This is fascinating stuff. Uh, We'll come back to that one again in the future because uh, we need to get a professor over here at Davis that can talk about that uh, at some length, and I've got some ideas as to who that might be, but uh, hang on to your hat. We're going to follow that story up. Now, the issue of eating uh, too much fat has been in the news quite a bit. The McDonald's Corporation has taken a few hits, uh, and they've decided to get proactive about it. Have you noticed how many salads are now up on the menu? Apparently, the burger behemoth has decided to immunize itself against lawsuits that blame fast food chains for tricking people into wolfing down mountains of meat and fries. So to appease the calorie core, McDonald's is now handing out pamphlets, and putting things on the menu that show that you have a choice at what you can eat when you come into the restaurant. Very interesting. I haven't tried one of their salads. I did try one at uh, at Jack in the Box, and I gotta say, you know, for fast food, that's probably a good way to go. Now, ever since I was a kid, I've enjoyed trips over to the California Academy of Sciences, the Steinhardt Aquarium, the Morrison Planetarium, and San Francisco's Golden Gate Park, and I get their magazine, which is called California Wild. There was a fascinating article in this about the urban parrots of California. Now, California is a state that has no native parrot species, but it's estimated that there are 6,600 parrots out on the loose from 13 different species that have formed breeding colonies. Parrots have been reported living in areas from Sacramento to San Francisco to Palm Springs to San Diego with the largest populations in the Los Angeles area. Red-crowned parrots are the most common California parrot with 2,800 birds. They've become uh, so common now, they're appearing in bird books being published in the Southern California area. Uh, Apparently, you know, these are smart birds. They've learned how to adapt to all of our our foliage and the various fruits that we uh, have in our backyards, and uh, they're thriving. (laughs) This may not please purists who think that we should have native native birds and native vegetation, but uh, I'm really quite tickled by this. 
If we've got some here in Sacramento, I'd like to know where they are. Do you know? Let us know at info at Radio Parallax, if you can steer us to the nearest parrot colony. All right, Mr. McMillan's telling me we are just about out of time for this program, um, so let's, uh, let's end on a little bit of uh, economics, the dismal science. Have you noticed that the Bush administration has sort of quietly announced that we're going to have a $455 billion budget deficit this year, and next year it'll be larger? So in two years, they're talking about a trillion dollars being borrowed. That's a trillion with a T, yes. And of course, who's going to pay the interest on that loan? That's right, you and me. You and I, the taxpayer. Now, if you borrow a hundred grand for your house, you know, by the time you're done paying off that mortgage, you're going to pay three, four hundred thousand dollars. Do you really want to be saddled with three to four trillion dollars worth of debt? Of course, interest rates are at astoundingly low levels right now, which is fueling all of our housing boom, our purchasing of houses going on all across the country. If interest rates start bumping up, we're going to see that draw to a close quickly. So uh, Alan Greenspan has promised that he's going to keep interest rates as low as he can. I think that Alan Greenspan, of course, uh, is would like to please the Bush administration, although he's supposed to be independent. And, um, well... He's going to do his best to keep interest rates low. I don't know how Alan's going to do that when a trillion dollars has to be sucked up in kind of account of the federal budget. All hail Alan Greenspan! Mr. Greenspan, yes. give us a clue. We buy our stocks based on the things that you do. All right. We got to go. We will talk to Frank Sorcy about the very interesting book and movie, Seabiscuit, an American legend, on next week's program. So please do tune into that. It'll be worth your while. Thanks to Sean Mitten, an interesting guest as always. And I anticipate in the next week or two having Christina Borgeson, author of Into the Buzzsaw, return to talk about her most provocative book about what happens when you try to pursue a story that certain powers that be would just assume you not pursue. This is Radio Parallax. I am Douglas Everett. This was produced by Edward McMillan, and you are listening to KDVS 90.3 FM. Stay tuned for Todd and Hometown Atrocities to follow. I'm the mean man, I'll make it clear. This parody of Mr. Sandman, titled Mr. Greenspan, comes to you from the good people at the Capitol Steps. this year, I am so smart when I'm speaking freely. I explain the global ramification of economic sanctions on emerging markets versus expanding market like I'm speaking in Swahili. Mr. Greenspan, we're in a fix. Here's the reason you're not calm You'll know you'll be crying If the stocks you're buying Have a name that end in dot Com, 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 dum, 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 dum